This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George. Um, as is always the case at this time of year, pods are a little bit ad hoc, but we've decided to sit down and have a bit of a chat today just because there's a little bit of movement going on at the Albion. We've uh, seen one player go out the door. We've seen one player return through the door, not a new signing as such, but Eric Peters has put pen to paper on uh, on a new contract and... There is plenty of rumours swirling around linking a number of our players with a number of different clubs. Now, as I always say, we're not what what um, Twitter likes to call or what people on Twitter like to call themselves in the nose. But, you know, we do have connections in, in, in the game. Obviously, I've got a... Um, I've I've got a past working in the in the game, um, and you do hear bits and bobs. So we will do our best to try and sort the fact from the fiction in terms of the links, uh, largely outgoing with Albion. There's only really one uh, rumor swirling around as to an incoming, and we will talk about that one. But we'll try and work out which are likely to happen and which are less than likely to happen. So it will be a largely a transfer based podcast today because there's uh, there's not a lot else going on although the one other thing that has happened and we will we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this very very quickly um Pete because it's there's there's no exact science at this uh, time of the season or pre-season I should say to really work out what games are difficult what games are easy because you don't really know what anybody's squad is going to look like However, the fixtures have been released, and according to Opta data, we have the most difficult start in the whole division. Our August looks like Blackburn away, Swansea at home, Leeds away, and Borough at home. Now, as I say, you don't necessarily know how teams are going to shape up come the end of the summer. Obviously, Swansea in particular jumps out at you a little bit there because they have lost their manager. He's gone to Southampton. And you don't, uh, obviously, players like Ryan Manning going out the door as well. So you don't know how strong they're going to be. But I don't think it would take an enormous leap of imagination to suggest that Blackburn will probably be strong. They've already started their business. Ennis coming through the door. And then I, I, I don't think there's much doubt at all that Leeds and Middlesbrough will be strong. Pete, fair to say it's not an easy start, is it? No, it's not. An easy start, but probably feel a bit more comfortable going into this season than I did last season in the respect that we've got Cole Brown and he's had the full summer to work with his players. Well, fingers crossed, might actually be able to bring a few through um, and not just lose a bunch. But um, yeah, hopefully, I mean, since Cole Brown came in, we saw 
saw big changes. Um, we're playing a lot better and we're picking up results. So after you know, a full preseason, hopefully we can we can go in strong. And even though we are playing some of the the top sides, hopefully sets us up and and we can pick up some points and and show the league that we might be up there fighting in the end of the season. We mentioned Corbran there, Pete, and. Obviously, we've had to suffer a summer where he has been heavily linked with Leeds United. It now appears that he is not going. Um, The rumours are that Daniel Farker will be announced as their manager fairly imminently. That's the expectation anyway. However, you also do hear quite worrying things. As I say, I speak to people in the game and I'm always very, very upfront about saying that Anything that I say on, I will I will tell you where I believe I've got fact, and what I'm largely going to talk about today. A lot of it is going to be things that I've heard secondhand. So please don't take these as as absolute facts by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of it is speculation, conjecture that I have heard. But the the speculation and the rumor that I've heard is that Corbran was actually uh, actually seemed to be quite up for the Leeds move and is a bit disappointed that that they they didn't pay the compensation for him now if and that is an if that is true i don't think you can blame carlos corbran one little bit for thinking that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence because well it probably is our uh, our, our grass is, seems to have been scorched by a flamethrower uh, called lie so you you wouldn't be you wouldn't be actually feeling any I, well I personally anyway would not be feeling any negativity towards Corbran if he had assessed his options this summer and actually been quite up for a move away which is the which is the the speculation that I have heard that he was but Leeds decided against paying the compensation in favour of going for somebody who was on a free which is which is Farker however Pete what it does say and you you're quite right in saying that the the real positive going into this season is that we we have the whole summer with uh, with Corbran to work with his players we uh, and I don't you know you and I did an entire podcast um talking about the, the managers we would like to replace Steve Bruce at around this time last year I don't think any either of us wanted him as the man to lead us into into last season I don't think we had a great deal of faith in him thought uh, think we quite like some of the business but i mean i think i think i think you you, you pretty much said at the start of the season that um you felt really all, all, all steve bruce had to motive do was motivate a good group of players which doesn't exactly express a great deal of faith in the manager himself i think we've got a lot more faith in this manager and his organization and he, the, the the players buying into the way he wants to play my big concern with carlos corbram pete is how long is he going to be here? Because there's a massive mess behind the scenes. There's absolutely no denying that at this point. Uh, Action for Albion have done an amazing job of highlighting that very fact. And, I mean, Carlos Corbran has got to know that his it's his reputation on the line that, unfortunately, in football, if you start losing games week after week, then nobody's going to actually delve into the whys and wherefores of you losing games. You are just going to see your reputation as a manager tumble. People will look at the league table, they will look at the results, and they will say, there's a bad manager. It's, it's, happened, to, it's happened to managers before. People don't take the circumstances into account. And I think if Corbran starts seeing too much, too much of his squad is being sold from under him, and I don't believe that Corbran is the one necessarily signing off these deals i imagine there's an there's an element of necessity from the club making money where it where it can i wonder how long he'll stick around pete um especially if if he doesn't if he looks at the squad come the 5th of august or whenever it is that the league kicks off and and in his heart of heart says i don't believe this squad is good enough it's not where i want it to be in in terms of having a crack at the top six and I, and I honestly believe that that will be Corbran's aim. There's, I can't imagine for one second he's gonna he's gonna be happy with a squad that can do anything less than top six. If he doesn't believe he's got that, I think the first round of sackings there are at the top end of the Championship slash bottom end of the Premier League, I think he'll be. Well, his his agent might be making a few calls. What do you think? Yeah, and it's probably very difficult in that respect because if he does go into the season with not the best squad, because we've sold off a few and maybe not invested as much as, as Cobram would have liked, 
but we still start off strong and get some good results. And after that first round of, of sackings at the bottom of the Premier League, top of the Championship, then he's probably going to be one of the first managers that people look at. Um, so and there's it's... international breaks in both September and October, and uh, you've because it was a bit different last year, wasn't it? Because the, the the international breaks were a bit all over the show because of the World Cup, but that's there might not be so many sackings in September because that's just a little bit early. Although you wouldn't put it past certain Premier League clubs or even or even clubs like Watford in our own division, but certainly in October, you'd think there'll be a good solid handful when that international break rolls around. Yeah, that October international break will be prime sacking season. Um, yeah, like I say, if we started strong, then teams will be looking at Corbran, um, especially after last season. Um, you know, you can just see how we turned it round from uh, bottom three to, to, I think we finished in the top half in the end, but, you know, not far off playoffs. Um, so then teams will come circling and, and if they've got money, then, you know, they might be willing to pay the compensation. Um, I suppose that's the probably one of the best bids probably definitely was the best bit of business that we did um, towards the start of the new year was was tying him down to a, an extended contract because it may just mean that we get another three or four months out, out of him. I think if he was on his original contract, then Leeds might have been a bit more tempted to um, to pay the compensation there because it would have been a fair bit less. Um, so, Well, I mean, apparently they, yeah. were, they, they were prepared to pay the compensation if you believe everything that you read. And it, it, in, it, it was around... F- no, it's probably a little bit later. Was it February, March time, something like that? Um, so I think they were initially prepared to pay the compensation. So that would suggest that had he been on his initial contract, he probably probably would have gone. Yeah, so it's probably the best bit of business we've done um, this year. And I think as a club, we just need to stay around as much as possible because he actually kind of, well, he seems to actually coach the players and he's got his a defined style that he wants to play and it's worked. Um, like you said, Last season, I said that I thought we'd be all right and finish towards the top top end of the table under Bruce purely because I thought we'd got that good of a squad that you just need somebody to keep them happy, um, keep them motivated, and, and the players would take care of it. Um, that proved to be very wrong after the first 10 games. But with Corbran, he's, he's having his impact on the squad rather than just kind of letting the players take care of it. He's having a massive impact in a lot of the results. Of course, the players have a, a huge impact on that, but Corbran also, um, without him, we probably wouldn't have got them. I mean, is, coming on to the transfer business, is that a bit of a concern this summer that, I mean, and we are working in hypotheticals here, but hypothetically speaking, if Corbran was to go, go in October because, you know, somebody at the bottom end of the of the, the Premier League Bins their 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 manager, um, you know. I mean, let's let's just let's just pluck pluck one. Out. It, it, say Nottingham Forest. I mean, he probably wouldn't go back and work for Maranakis after what happened at Olympiacos. But I'm just hypothetically pl- plucking them out of the air. Say they sacked their manager and um, brought in brought in Corbran. One of my concerns this summer is that over the last few years, all of our transfer business seems to have been very manager led, and. If once again that what we are what we're carrying out and uh, like like I said in the last pod I've seen there's been no reassurance from Ian Pierce that we have an actual plan as a club if we if we make if we go very bespoke and allow Corbrown to just get the players that he wants this summer then it's going to be very difficult for if we if we do lose him at some point this season for whoever comes in because they're going to have to do. Uh, motivate and uh, and and work with a squad that's very bespoke built for for Corbram whereas if we if we build on based upon a long-term plan of i mean hopefully youth value and have, having a squad that is set up to play a defined style but hopefully having that style running through the age groups as well and having i mean if it, if it was me i mean the problem is we haven't got anybody in in situ in the in the position that would obviously be doing this in the way that Dan Ashworth would have been doing it when I was at the club. And Dan Ashworth openly said in an interview that he does this, that he has, even when he hires a manager, he has a list of managers who he would be re- replacing that manager with if they were to go tomorrow. If they were literally to go a day after he hired them, he would still have a list of replacements. I, th- I think we should have that list right now. Question whether we do, because... 
uh, we spoke, talked about Mark Miles on the on the last pod, but he's not got he's he's not got the kind of depth of football expertise that, to have a list of uh, viable con- uh, contacts and candidates. And I wouldn't expect him to either, to be honest. It, you know, that's not that's never never been his background. But then, I mean, who who does who would pick it? Ian Pierce. He doesn't seem to be able to find any players. I don't see why he'd why he'd be able to find the manager. This it, this is my concern because the last time we 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 chose we the last two times we've replaced the manager. And sorry, I'm 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 morbidly talking about Corbrand like he's going definitely going to go, and I don't know that for one second. But it is a point worth making that if he was to go, who picks the next manager? Because the last two times they have been picked by guys who. In the case of Ken, didn't seem to have a clue and went and got Ishmael. Because if you understand football at all, you don't you don't hire Valerian Ishmael for West Bromwich Albion. Because history will tell you that West Bromwich Albion fans have have a history of revolting against that kind of football. Whether whether we're talking Pulis Gould, and it was different to that, but nonetheless, Albion fans want people to keep it on the ground. And when you get people, I mean. Megson was a bit of an outlier, but then as, as soon as the success stopped for Megson, there was a lot of people who wanted him out as well. As much as he is hold, held up as Sir Gary Megson around the Hawthorns, when when the success stopped, there was people who wanted him gone. It was results that protected Gary Megson with his style of football. There's there's a history of Albion fans not enjoying and not appreciating that kind of football. Whereas if that same manager goes into a, a Millwall or a Stoke, their fans, ha- uh, in fact, their fans, uh, Stoke fans, because I, uh, I I have a number of Stoke fans in my class, I speak to them. Stoke fans actively get annoyed when their team plays too much football. I hear similar things from Millwall, that they that they would actually rather have a return to uh, to, to, uh, to the days of what may, we might consider alehouse football. But some, some would say it's pragmatic, depends on which way you want to look at it. But uh, the point I'm making is anybody anybody who knew enough about football would know that that was not going to work. They would have also probably looked at the reasons for Ishmael's success and said the five substitutions was a big factor in it. He wasn't going to have that that season. You would have looked at our squad and said it was just not built to play that kind of football. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that Ken did not have the adequate football knowledge to be making that decision because it didn't seem to be based on any any sound logic. And then Von Gourlay went and got the guy who was available that he had the telephone number for, so it seems, and then kept him on. And that was the wrong way of doing things as well. We're going back a little bit since we actually hired a manager for the right reasons. And, I mean, it, it pains me to give Luke Dowling any credit, but at least Slavon Bilic was hired for all the right reasons. I, I don't I don't necessarily gr- agree with selling Morgan Rogers for eight million quid to pay for him, but I can't argue that the, the logic behind hiring Slavin Bilic was fairly sound. But I would I, I would say that that was the last manager that we hired for all the right reasons. And I worry if if and it is a big if, and I should emphasise that that we were to not keep Carlos Corbran for the whole season. Who is it? that is going to replace him because I, I I think it would have to be Mark Miles or Ian Pierce and I'm not sure I'm not sure it's in either of their wheelhouse to do that. Yeah, even with Corbo on it, it was obviously a very good appointment, but you question how much of a search was really done. He obviously had a fantastic season at Huddersfield, um and took them to the to the playoff final. Um but then he was kind of well he was out of a job. Um Olympiakos had recently sacked him and um it he was a manager that had recently done very very well for a championship club so in many ways it was well, kind we of... seem to backtrack as well we didn't i mean again he it doesn't appear he was the first choice because it appears although we denied this to the hilt <laughs> it appears that Carvajal was initially the uh, the first choice yeah and in a way it kind of feels like we just struck lucky with it rather than um had planned it and um, had done all the hard work behind it to to pick a brilliant manager. Um, it feels like it was just kind of a manager that was 
free at the time and had recently done well with a, a championship club. Um, and it turns out to have been a, a fantastic signing. Obviously, it's going to be different people picking a manager next time. But yeah, I, I definitely don't have the confidence that we've we're prepared for um, Corbran to leave. Obviously, he's still with us and I hope he is till the end of the season at the minute. Um, see, that might change depending on results. But yeah, I think we should have kind of a shortlist ready for who we would approach if, if he left tomorrow. Like you say, Ashworth would have done if he was at the club. But I really um, doubt that anybody towards the top has got that ready. Um, and I'd love to be to be proved wrong. But um, yeah, if recent history is anything to go by, then then it could be a big worry if Paul Brown does move on. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home, especially with Albion's home record under Carlos Corbran. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. One person who has moved on is Dar O'Shea, who obviously captained Albion for, for much of last season, missed the, the back end of the season with injury. And there's an awful lot of evidence to say that that was a big contributing factor in us not making the playoffs. Pete, two questions really on Dara's departure. Well, let's. Uh, uh, there's a few questions, but I'll uh, I'll I'll go through them in 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 some sort of reasonable order so that I don't have to throw too much at you. First of all, let's just talk about the deal before we talk about the player himself. What do you make of the deal? We said on the last podcast that Dara was one of very few players within our existing squad that we could see going to the Premier League and fetching Premier League money. Well, it doesn't surprise me that he is the first out the door. I think that was that was largely nailed on. Now, John Percy says that uh, he had an £8 million release clause in his contract, and but, but because Burnley were the only club interested and because we were so keen to get him out the door, that we ended up settling for seven. That, for me, first of all, underlines the concern that we spoke about on the last pod, that we have so heavily advertised our position by saying publicly players must leave, blah, 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 that clubs are seeing us as easy pickings, that they can lowball us for players. And and it will be a concern that the first sale that we've made, we have accepted a lowball offer. Now, John Percy, again, has, uh, has uh, and I'm, quite, uh, I'm referencing John Percy here because he gets so much right. He's a brilliant, brilliant journalist. And if you don't follow him, you really, really should. John Percy suggests that that has strengthened Albion's position to the point where there doesn't need to be an absolute fire sale. And he actively named Swift and Wallace as two high paid players that he doesn't expect to go. But he doesn't, he, he also said it won't be the end of the end of the departures. Now we'll cut to that point in a minute, but £7 million for Darroche, 24 years old, obviously qualifies as a, as a, as a homegrown player because he's come through uh, at the club. Do you think we've got, good value for him or do you think we've we, we've been lowballed a little bit if i actually think it's decent value again we we spoke about it a lot of times but we're kind of in a sticky situation where we've got players that are maybe worth three four million not good enough for the premier league so they're not going to buy them but nobody in the championship has got three to four million i think dara is probably one of the few that is is premier league quality um and can attract that interest um so and i think seven million is is a decent amount. I, obviously, to get the full full eight would have been nice, but I mean, I think it was John Percy that said that there wasn't any other interest, so there was no way to kind of drive up that price to the 
to the full. Mm, um, well, there was. Plus. I mean, we could we we could we could have said no and held out, but but it was our urgency to sell that that led to. Uh, led to that. I mean, the 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 one. You're right. The, we weren't left with a lot of options, but the one way to to drive the price up or potentially drive the price up was to say no to the seven million quid and basically say if you don't if you don't hit his buyout clause, we won't sell. Yeah, that's true. Um, but we need the money, and I mean, I think everybody knew that anyway. But we also announced it as a club um, that we'd be selling players because we need the cash. Um, but yeah, in the end, I, th- I don't think seven million is a bad amount for Badara. Um, he had a very good season with us. Um, he's young, homegrown. Um, he was a captain, and from what you hear, he's a really good bloke to have around the place um, and seem to get on with everyone. And he's obviously an international player as well. But at the same time, I probably wouldn't put him in as the best centre back in the league. Um, I'm probably not right at the top anyway. So it's. I think he's a good player. Um, I think he'll do well at Burnley. Um, and I think we'll miss him a lot. But we do have backup in that position as well. So to get seven million for a centre back when we've got quite a lot of centre backs at the club, um, in our situation, I think it's probably a good deal for Albion. Well, let's come to that because, as you say, I, I mean, I tweeted afterwards that I felt it was a fairly decent deal for all parties. And if we were going to sell somebody for 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 a lot of money, or well, a reasonable amount of money, I should say, I don't I don't consider the price that. Dara has fetched as a lot given his considerable talent but if if we were to sell somebody selling a cent half makes an awful lot of sense because we'll come to him in in a moment but we've we've now re-signed Eric Peters we've got Carl Bartley we've got Semi Ajayi we've obviously got uh, Caleb Taylor coming back from uh, from loan as well we we have got options and we've got sorry we've got Cedric Kipre as well for the time being um, we have got options in that particular area, but the flip side to that to that particular coin is that when O'Shea got injured, O'Shea missed the last nine games of last season. In the nine games before Dar O'Shea got injured, versus the nine games after he got injured, we started conceding 0.5 goals per game more. So we were basically conceding a goal more every two games after Dara got injured. Every piece of data tells you that suddenly we were a lot worse side defensively. You look at the amount of clean sheets before Dara got injured. You look at the expected goals before Dara got injured. Everything went up clean. There was less clean sheets. There was more expected goals. There was more goals conceded. So what that effectively tells you is we were conceding more big chances. We were con- uh, conceding more goals, and you know we we couldn't keep the ball out the back of a net. And ultimately, when you play a low margin style of football, which we do under Carlos Corbran, you can't sustain that because under Carlos Corbran, we don't often win games two, three, four nil. In fact, I, I don't. I don't recall us. I don't recall us ever steamrolling anybody. Even the games where we were dominant in, you know, we dominated Wigan one one nil. We dominated Preston at home one two nil. We didn't. We we didn't go and absolutely smash anybody really on, uh, under Corbran. Not in, not in the league anyway. So to lose a player that uh, that that brings you the margins when you need them was big. And the other thing, Pete, is obviously he was our distributor out from the back. And I'm not sure anybody else in the squad can can do that. So it is an area where we're well covered and I don't expect us to go and sign anyone, if I'm perfectly honest. Not unless not unless there are other departures. If Kipre were to, were to leave, then I mean maybe, maybe then we we would go and get somebody. Even then we've we've still got four centre backs and you could potentially put Furlong in there as well if you absolutely needed to. You could even drop your Koslu back there. It depends what our options were in in, in other areas. If Kipre were to go, maybe we'll look at uh, somebody. But certainly at present with five centre halves, I don't see us going and signing anybody. But do we do you believe we have enough tactically to cover for, for for Dara's departure, given the strengths he has, and not necessarily reflected in a lot of the players that that we have in the squad. Yeah, I'm not sure because I think he was. I don't think too many people would argue with me saying that he's he was our best centre back. I think he's probably our most well was our most well rounded centre back. Um, he could 
defender who's very strong in the air um, and he could distribute the ball both through passing it and carrying it. And he kind of was leading um, our build-up play from the back and he just seemed to adapt to Corbrand's style really, really well and, and you could see him quite often doing what, what the Brighton centre-backs have been doing on Zerbi of like standing on the ball and inviting the pressure and then waiting for that moment to play around it rather than just kind of rushing it. And he seemed to learn that really well. It's something that he didn't really do under Bruce. So he's going to be a massive loss. Um, but if we are going to play in a similar style, then I think of the centre-backs that we've got at the minute, the most natural replacement would be Semi Ajayi. But again, I, I think his passing is nowhere near as the quality of O'Shea. I'm not sure he reads his, it. His well consistency is a concern as well, Pete. He seems to go through really good spells or really bad spells. But I, I mean, I, I would rather have a centre half who, um, who has um, 10, 7 out of 10 performances than one who has um, five nines and five fives. Yeah, and it's the same with his passing. Sometimes he's really good on the ball and he can play it forward and make those progressive passes. But other times he just seems to massively overhit passes, just just mishit them um, and just give it away. And he has those lapses of concentration that he can't really afford to have if you're going to build up from the back and if you're going to be the main main centre-back to do that. Um, so I think he, if he is going to be the direct replacement and we are going to play the same, then he's got a lot to improve on. He has got the qualities. It's just, I think, consistency is probably the biggest, the b- biggest issue there. Caleb Taylor could be an interesting one because he obviously had a fantastic season at Cheltenham. Um, but they played a very different style of play to what we've been playing under Corbran. Cheltenham were a lot more direct and weren't looking to to play out from the back and kind of invite pressure. So if he can step into the side, and I imagine coaches will be working with him a lot this summer to try and um, teach him the style and get him comfortable with doing what Corbran will want him to do. But again, I think he's somebody, he's very young, but from what I hear is he's got the, the ability to, to be a top centre-back. So if he can adapt and and be as good on the ball as he is with his defensive and his um, aerial attributes, then it's somebody that could be very promising. But it's going to be tricky to to throw a, a 20, 21-year-old kid into the starting eleven of a, yeah. a championship do you, side. Do you see Corbrand doing that? Because he's very pragmatic, isn't he? And we've we've seen how how reticent he has been to throw uh, Taylor Gardner-Hickman in, who is clearly very talented, but also quite raw at times. I think it really depends on how he copes this summer, because... Like I say, I mean, defensively, um, if you look at the, the numbers and um, you speak to Cheltenham fans, he was outstanding for them, which I suppose is the basis of being a centre-back. But Corbran asks his defenders to do more than just that. He, they need to be good on the ball. And it's difficult to judge that when you're not really getting the opportunity to do that with the side that you're playing for. So if he can show that he's he's got the ability on the ball as well to, to move it forward and play through pressure and invite the pressure, um, then I'd... I, I wouldn't be surprised at, surprised if Carlos does trust him because I've heard such good things about Caleb Taylor. Um, I think it really just depends on how he copes in pre-season. Well, obviously, uh, there is uh, Doro Cher who's gone out the door. Uh, it is, John Percy has said that, that he doesn't believe that will be the end of the outgoings. Uh, I don't think any of us believe it will be the end of the outgoings. Um, what what will be interesting is to see how much value we can get for other players, especially if there is not a lot of um, Premier League interest around them. If we are having to to sell to the Championship, however, I have heard whispers, and they are they are whispers that there might be a bit of Premier League interest in one of our players, and that there might be some interest in, in Grady D and Garner um, this, uh, this summer. I think if that's the case, one of the issues I have with, with, with Dara being a player that's sold and will come to people like Malumbi and Griffiths, who've also been linked to moves away is that one of the big issues that we have is our wage bill is way, way too high. And, I don't think getting rid of Daro Shea, Jason Malumbi, uh, Josh Griffiths, people like that, address that problem in a serious way because they're not our high earners. They're not our best paid players. Grady Dean Garner will be one of our better play- paid players. So from that point of view, and if we can get a G- decent transfer fee for him, 
again, like I say, I'm, I'm uh, being very categoric about the fact that the the the, the things I hear are you know secondhand, and I'm uh, I, I'm not portraying these as fact. They're just whispers and rumors that I hear. But if we could get money for him, I don't think it would be a bad deal for the club. However, what I would also say, Pete, and I'll throw to you on this. I mean, I've done the data before on Grady Dean Garner. Second, only to John Swift in shot-creating actions last season. His work off the ball in terms of tackling blocks, absolutely outstanding for an attacking midfielder in the championship. Obviously didn't get as many games as he would like, but still seven goal contributions. I still think, I think he had a pretty good season last season. And I think the injury couldn't have come for him at a worse time because I felt he was really, really growing into Corbrand's system since Phillips got injured. And, and I thought he was going to be, a. I, I honestly thought he was going to be a big, big player for us for the rest of the season. Yet there are still some who, I think possibly based upon the excessively high standards that Grady set for himself in his first season when he was on loan at the club, still don't rate Grady because he has never hit those heights again. I personally think that what he produces as a footballer on a championship pitch, certainly last season anyway, maybe not necessarily so much in other, in, in, in the season before under Ishmael slash Bruce, because I just don't think particularly Ishmael, Grady was in any way, shape or form suited to his football. I think he is suited to Carlos Corbran's style of football. And I think if he wasn't to go, I think he could be a big, big player for us, Pete. But I mean, I think if there is an offer there, if there is Premier League interest, and I don't really see. I think I think it would it would be a t- difficult deal for a Championship club to do for Grady because he will be on good wages. We probably would want a decent uh, a decent transfer fee for him as well. I would like to think. I think if a Premier League club comes, I think you've kind of got to let him go. But I think there will be those who will massively, massively underestimate how big a loss he would be for our football club. I've got to say. I love him as a player. Um, I think he's brilliant and I think he had a good season last season. Um, he seems to add ability to, to get into good goal scoring positions, something that he probably lacked in previous seasons. I mean, on, in the blown season, um, he did score a fair few goals, but maybe he didn't get into, I mean, you can't argue with scoring goals, but if you want to score goals consistently, you're best off getting into to really good positions. Just look at somebody like Erling Haaland. Um, but I think he's added that to his game. Um, he's still very creative. I think maybe one of the things that fans haven't rated his season um, is because his dribbling success has been a bit down. Um, I think that was only at 52%, which puts him below average for championship wingers. Um, he's still attempting a lot of dribbles, but it's something that catches people up, people's eye. Um, and as a winger, it's kind of what people look for. And if you consistently dribble, dribble past players, then it's, I think it's just something that's easy to say, oh, yeah, he's a really good winger, but you still need the contribution at the end of it. Grady's kind of been the opposite where he's trying to dribble. It's probably not coming off as much as he'd like, um, but he's still got the the end con- the end output of creating chances and, and scoring goals. So I don't think you can really argue with that, even if he's not dribbling as well as he has done in the past. Um, and he does his defensive work because, as you say, I mean, he was um, he he was still uh, well up there, three progressive carries per ninety, and and like like I say, a second only to Swift in in shot creating actions. So whilst he might be down in some areas, as you say, ultimately football's about creating chances, and creating chances turns into in, into hopefully scoring goals if you've got good enough players on the end of them. He was contributing that. Oh yeah, he's. Despite his successful dribbles being down, um, well, successful dribble success rate being down, um, the number of dribbles he's attempting is still quite high, and his progressive runs are still high. So he's he's still carrying the ball forward. It's just when he's taking players one on one, he's still doing it regularly, but he's not doing it as successfully as um, as he maybe did in the promotion season. But he's creating chances. He's in seventy um, fifth percentile for expected assists per ninety for championship wingers. Um, in terms of non-penalty expected goals per 90 for championship wingers, he's in the 90th percentile. Um, so there's, there's basically, he's, um, he's fifth place in terms of non-penalty expected goals per 90 for championship wingers. So as a winger, he's, he's getting 
he's getting chances. Um, you know, he, he had 5.6 non-penalty expected goals and he scored four goals. So he's slightly underperforming it, but that happens, you know, next season he might overperform it by 1.6. So it's, that's not a big deal. It's about getting those chances. Um, and like I say, does his defensive work as well, which is extremely important, especially for Carlos Scorbrani. He wants his wings to track back. Um, and I think he's he's just a very well-rounded um, winger. And I wouldn't be surprised if he got a bit of Premier League interest. And if he does, then I think it's harsh to, to hold him back, really. Absolutely. But I mean, from the club's point of view, financially speaking, Pete, I imagine you, you agree it would be it would be a decent deal to do if there was a decent transfer fee there. Getting his wages off the wage bill would be would be a, a really positive thing. And I suppose the other the the other side of the coin um, is, and I think people, like I say, some people will underestimate this. I I think he'd actually go to a Premier League club and. Uh, and and do well. I by the way, I have no idea which Premier League clubs uh, are interested. I've just heard rumours that there are, is Premier League interest. But just to speculate, obviously Grady's um, missed London somewhat. I uh, I can't see West Ham re-signing him. I can't see you know one of the really big boys like Chelsea or Arsenal or Tottenham going after him. Obviously, so if there's Premier League interest from London, which is obviously ideally where Grady would like it, you would imagine that's probably from someone like either Crystal Palace who are probably going to have to replace Zaha or someone like Brentford who uh, I, I think are looking for that type of player because I, uh, I think I saw rumours of them of them in for Jack Clark from Sunderland and I think if he went to one of those two clubs I think he'd really do very very well don't you? Yeah I think he'd, he'd probably do well in most clubs to be honest especially clubs that want to get the ball down and they want their wingers to to have an impact and um, take players on and, and create chances and, and get into the box as well, um, rather than a team that's just going to be very direct and kind of focused down the middle of the pitch. But, you know, Crystal Palace, they've got some some very exciting players, um, attacking players, you know, look at Eze and Elise, two examples. Um, so it's probably a club that he could could fit into the style. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's I wouldn't say it's like for like, because Zaha's a, a terrific player and has done extremely well in the Premier League, but it wouldn't be a, you know, it's it's kind of a similar style of player to replace Zaha with if he if Palace were interested. Um, probably not, well, not as good, but similar. So, yeah, I think he would do well at, at those clubs. As I say, I really like him as a player. So, I, well, yeah, I think he would do well at, at most clubs. The one incoming, if indeed you can call it that, because he was our player last season, is Eric Peters, who is, who's penned a, a one-year deal. I mean, we did the data on Peters um, in, in the end-of-season pod. Look, he's he's a steady Eddie, you know. Um, he he's he's dribbled past less than once every every ten games. Um, he gives away less fouls than than the majority of our centre halves. Um, he has the best compl- pass completion rate. But then when you look at where those passes go, they're generally to the Daro Shea type or Semi Ajayi who plays the ball out out from the back. He just tends to give it sideways a bit more, Peter. So you have to take those numbers with with a pinch of salt. He's unspectacular. But he's solid, and given that one-year deals are very, very beneficial to us, given that when when the loan repayments are likely to kick in for, uh, from the twenty million pound loan, having short-term contracts is very, very helpful for a, for a club like us. And there aren't that many players who are going to take one-year deals. He's solid. He plays a couple of positions. He, he's a, he's a left-footed centre half as well, which is something that we haven't got in the rest of the squad. He can play left back, and he, which which okay, we've got Zach Ashworth, but I would be a little surprised if Zach Ashworth didn't go back out on loan because I don't really see the benefit to Zach Ashworth sitting behind Connor Townsend. Who, I mean, I say this touch wood because I don't want him to get a serious injury or anything. But Connor, generally speaking, doesn't miss a football match very very often. Geez, he he only he only missed football matches for for his wife having a baby when uh, when the, the matches became meaningless. I mean that's that's how committed to the cause Connor Townsend is. I don't see the point in Zach Ashworth sitting there. I mean you don't generally put a left back on the bench anyway, so probably not even being on the bench 
while Connor Townsend just plays game after game. So, I mean, having Eric Peters probably gives you a little bit more license as well to let Zach Ashworth out on loan. Uh, it, it Look, it's not... It's it it it's not a signing that is going to set anybody's pulse racing, Pete. But it just makes total sense to me. Yeah, Peters was um, pretty solid at what he did, and kind of suited the fact that we would move into like a kind of um, back three when we were building up quite often. So he's getting dragged out into areas that are like left centre back, left back areas, which is probably where he's most natural. Um, and being left footed is. Is beneficial um, for exactly that because he he does operate in those kind of areas and it just gives you more um, natural. Well, it's something Corbran likes, isn't it, Pete? He he likes he likes a left footer on the left. Yeah, and because yeah, he just gives you more options to um, pass inside or or outside. If if you've got a right footer there, then naturally you kind just the shape of your body and the way your leg swings you. You're going to naturally pass to the to the outside more often to the left back position rather than passing inside. Um, so yeah, it definitely helps there. Um, and I think he's the only the only centre back that we have got that is left footed. Um, and yeah, I think I think solid is kind of the word that you use to describe him. Not spectacular, but um, you know he'd win his defensive duels. He's got one of the highest rates in the league for defensive duels. One rate at seventy six percent. It's in the ninety fifth percentile. Um, and his passing um, and ball carrying was again pretty decent. So, yeah, I, I think it does make a lot of sense on a one-year deal. It's not going to be costing the club too, too much, um, and he did well last season. And it fills the spot for a left-footed centre back. So it's, it seems like a good deal to me. Two more players that that have been linked with moves away that I want to talk about, and I would like to point out that these two are not based on any information that I've been given. They are purely from Twitter and local newspaper rumours that, that we're discussing them. So the Leeds press have been talking up um, Jason Malumbi to um, to Leeds United um, on, on a deal that has been mooted at around £4 million. Um, like I say, I have no idea how likely or unlikely that is. I would suggest that that one, whilst O'Shea, I I don't feel we got value, but I would suggest that it makes a lot of sense, the sale. I realise we need the money, but I hope there's nothing in the Malumbi one because it doesn't make a great deal of sense to me. I think you would be losing our player of the year. It wouldn't go down well with the with the fans at all. I think you would be losing a player who is only going to go up in value who is probably not particularly highly paid either, so you wouldn't wouldn't make a huge dent in the wage bill. And whilst you might bring in four mil for him now, and I realise we need the four mil now, I feel like he's a player who could possibly be worth twice that next uh, next summer. So he's not one I would like to see go. The other one uh, linked with potentially a move away is there's just been a couple of murmurings in Newcastle press about Newcastle possibly being interested in in Josh Griffiths now if that was to be the case it's not what it's not one I, I I wouldn't particularly like to see any of these players leave because I think they're good I think they're good players but I can see the logic in it as long as we get the value and for me the value would be extremely high for one so young as Griffiths, with his talent, England under-21 goalkeeper, I think you've got to be looking some serious money. And especially, and look, you've got to inf- you've got to always inflate the price for, a, for, a, for any Premier League club, but not least one that has the kind of money behind it that Newcastle United do. I think you've got to, you've got to be asking big sums of money for Josh Griffiths. I personally, as well, would be probably asking for for him back on loan. Although the question there would be, is there any real benefit to that for Newcastle? Because part of the reason I would suggest that selling Josh Griffiths, if there was a large sum of money put on the table, would make a degree of sense is because I don't believe he'll start the season as number one. I think Alex Palmer will. I'd like him back on loan because... Oh, if we have to watch David Button at any point next season, I think I'm, uh, I, I think I'm probably going to cry. 
there and then on the spot where I, where, where I see him pull on the Albion shirt. I can't take any more David Button. I don't think any Albion fan can. So I, I don't want to, but, but if you, if you start getting big money and by big money, I, I, I mean, sort of like, you know, pushing on for two figures in terms of the millions. I, I think you've, you've got to, you've got to look at that. For especially for a goalkeeper who probably won't start the season as your number one, I think you'd be crazy to turn that down in our financial position. Yes, he'd be a massive loss. Yes, I think he is going to be an unbelievable talent going forward. And if Newcastle do go and sign him for six, seven, eight, nine, even ten million pounds, do I think he will be worth more than that in the future? One hundred percent. Yes, I do. They might be prepared to let him back out on loan because he's not going to get ahead of Nick Pope. But would they be prepared to let him back out on loan to a club that can't promise to start him? Possibly not. It's all hypothetical because both of those are very much paper talk from what I've seen so far. And as I say, I I would be sad and surprised if the Mulumbi one happened. If there is truth in the Griffiths one, I can probably see why we'd consider it. What do you make of those two rumours, Pete? Um, with Malumbi, yeah, I'd hate to see him go, um, especially for that amount. Other than Dara O'Shea, um, he's probably the player that's developed most under Corbran and kind of benefited from his style of play. And we'd miss so much with him, just his, his energy um, getting forward and backwards and, and getting the rest of the players going, but also the, the stuff that he does positionally to drop into to right back and to have the rotations to then overlap the right winger and, and be inside and it feels like it'd take a lot to, to bring somebody through to, to play that role as well as he does. I think Gardner Hitman might be suited to it but definitely doesn't do it anywhere near as well as, as what Malumbi does. Not, to be fair, he's not been asked to do it um, when he has played. Yeah, and I think well, like I say, everyone when you talk about Malumbi, you talk about energy but he's he's got more than that. He's a very good footballer as well. Um, he carries the ball really well and to go alongside the energy, he wins the ball back so often. And I mean, we've talked about it before, but he's got a bit more discipline in his, in his challenges. He, he's picked up a lot less, a lot fewer yellow cards than he has had in the previous season and reds as well. Um, and he, he just seems to be developing. So if we sell him for, for four million, I think you were saying is the rumour now, then yeah, I don't think that's what he's worth or what he will be worth in, in a year's time. And when it comes to Josh Griffiths, I think if he, if we could sell him and it would stop any more kind of fire sale and keep the rest of our squad and maybe bring one or two more in or maybe or, or at least the only other outgoings be people like Mowat, Kipre, Grant, people like that that we genuinely we we won't lose any sleep over uh, over going as opposed to selling people like Malumbi, Brandon Thomas Asante, John Swift, Jed Wallace, you know, people people like that 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 really, you know, you you start looking and going, how on earth would we fill this void? Yeah, exactly. And if we could bring players in um as well, if we if we made any further signings, then we could use those funds to to bring a couple of players in, then I think I'd be in favour of um Griffiths going. If it again, if we're if we're looking for a decent sum, probably around the ten million mark. I was going to say, I was going to put that to you, Pete, because even while I was saying that, I I, I, I thought there'll be people listening going, is Chris completely crazy touting 10 million quid for a a 21-year-old goalkeeper who only played a handful of games in the championship last season? But I really don't think I am. I don't, uh, he's he's English. He's an under-21 international. There's, There's not that many really, really good English well there can't be that many really really good English goalkeepers out there because he's making the under 21 squad so he's got to be he's got to be one of the best three young goalkeepers in in England at the at the moment for me if you're one of the best three young goalkeepers in England you've got to fetch a premium haven't you I I I know there will be people listening to this podcast going you are absolutely off your rocker if you think we're going to get 10 million quid for, for Josh Griffiths. I don't think I am. Do you? No, I don't think so. Um, as you say, he's in the England under 21 squad. So that's, that just says a lot right there. Um, he's only 21. Um, so as a goalkeeper, that's extremely young. He's English. Um, and for squad, for teams that are 
um, going to be spending a lot of money in the next few years having homegrown English players is going to be important to meet the quotas. Just look at Scott Carson. Um, I think he signed another signed on for another year at Man City, doesn't he? Um, he's something that's a big benefit from is he's good with the ball at his feet. Um, and with the style of play that the top teams, Chris Martin have, would say differently. Well, yeah, but in general, he's good <laughs> Sorry, with the ball at his could... feet. I, I apologise, Josh. That is that is unfair. I'm picking on literally the one mistake you made with your feet and uh, and and killing you for it. So that 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 was unfair. I I retract my previous statement. In general, he's he's very good with the ball at his feet, um, which obviously makes him more of an interest for for big teams, I'd say. Um, and yeah, he's he's actually getting a bit of experience of playing football at, at a decent level as well. He's you know he played. Played well, he has got over. A, he's now. got as many games as Alex Palmer has. We've highlighted that a few times, haven't we? Or, or, or at the point at which he, he's only a few games behind Alex Palmer. I think at one point they were basically on the same number of games when we had when Josh came back from Pompey. But I, I mean, I think Alex is probably about six or seven ahead of him now. But he's he's not for for his age. He's got over a hundred games as a in in the league. Yeah, and as a twenty-one-year-old, that's you know that's fantastic to have behind you because I mean everyone always says that senior football experience is so so important and it doesn't even compare to to getting games behind you at under 21 or under 23 level um so having that senior experience can only you know put his price higher I think the one thing that we're probably going against us is the fact that he's um he's got two years left on his deal so if he does stop this season um then he, he may be thinking all right um, I've been in the, the England under twenty one squad. I'm I'm probably one of the the top keepers of this age group. If I leave on a free, um, just sit out for another year and leave on a free, then I can probably fetch some pretty big wages from some decent clubs. So we can't afford to have another Sam Johnston, can we, Pete? I mean, no, that, exactly. That's, that 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 because that, that was that was a horrendous mistake. I mean, we look at where we are financially now, and we gave we gave up so much money. On Sam, I mean, we we could have we probably could have took nine, ten for him that summer, but we held out for the big, big bucks and kept him kept him that year. It, it, we can't uh, and ended up letting him go for nothing. We we are not a football club. I mean, when we, I I always I always remember that that summer that Jeremy Peace lost um, Zoltan Gera and Martin Elbrickson for 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 nothing and. Bear in mind, Martin was a player we wanted to keep at the time, and Jeremy basically said, "I'm, I am not. That is not happening again on my watch. We can't let that be the case now because we are, we are so in such a financial mire that we have to realize the value in our assets while we can. And it, it's so dangerous. You've got to believe if the, if the club continues going in the direction that it's going." In 12 months' time, will Josh Griffiths sign a new contract or will Josh Griffiths sign a new contract during the course of this season? If I was his agent, I'd be telling him not to. I mean, wouldn't you? So I think I, th- I think the first thing you've got to sound out with Josh Griffiths is would you be prepared to sign a new deal? And if the answer is no, or if we can't afford to offer him the kind of terms that he would want and deserve, which <laughs> the latter is probably fairly true, then I think you've got to you've got to sell this summer before his his value plummets when he's only got one year left on his deal next summer. Yeah, and I agree with that. Um, I think if we're not willing to listen to offers this summer, then we need to be pushing as hard as we can to get him tied down for a few more years, because um, otherwise we'd definitely be risking losing um, an extremely promising player for for nothing in two years' time. I think that's probably the only thing that would maybe drive down the price for us. I think everything else goes in our favour. Um, that and the fact that we've got no money, that will drive it down a little bit. But, you know, he's a very good player. He's young. Um, he's good with his feet. Um, he's got under-21 experience. He's got a lot of games behind him in League One and um, I think he played League Two for a bit as well. Um, he's very tall as well. That That's obviously it's a benefit for a goalkeeper and he seems pretty comfortable playing with crosses. Um so yeah, there's that. He, and he'll probably fill out a bit as well, Pete. You know, I mean, he, at the moment he's tall but wiry. But you've you've got to believe if he if he fills out a little bit, I mean, 
you know, and let, I always, I always remember David de Gea because we played, obviously played Manchester United on on the opening day of the season, the year David de Gea signed. And I always remember that that um, that one he let past him from Shane Long, and every time we put a cross into the box, I thought, oh my god, like, I, 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 I'd be, I'd be losing my head if this was my goalkeeper coming for crosses because he looked terrified to come off his line, like everybody was going to smash him. You look at him now, and he's nothing like that. I mean, the guy's, you know. He's filled out. He's he's got it. it, it but you know, young people, twenty one years old, are not necessarily the physical specimen they're going to be at twenty five, twenty six. Newcastle would probably be looking at him and going, "He's tall. He's rangy. But if if we can get him in the weight room as well a bit over the next couple of years, he's going to be somebody that centre forwards are going to be absolutely terrified of as he comes pounding off his line towards them." Yeah, precisely. So I think all things point to to us. If we were looking to sell him to to get in a decent sum, um, and like I say, if that can put off the fire sale, then I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against it. I'd hate to lose him, but you know, with a, you've got to take into consideration the state of the club at the minute, and yeah, we're we're not in a good way. As I said at the top, there's not a lot to talk about in terms of potential incomings. We're not really being heavily linked with with anyone in particular, much as it seems to always be the case with the Albion, whether it's Somebody like Mowbray or Moore coming back as manager, whether it's re signing Dwight Gale or the, we ended up signing OK Yokoslu, we seem to always be linked with a former player every summer. This summer, it's Matthias Pereira on loan from Al Hilal. He's he 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 went out on loan um, to a uh, a UAE side, um, Al Wada. Um, last season, so it's obviously not going amazingly for him at uh, at Al Hilal. Um, there is there is speculation that he he wants out of there, that he might be available on loan, and that he still obviously has a lot of love for the Albion, and it's a possibility. I honestly haven't heard anything anywhere close to concrete as to whether or not there is anything in this, or whether it's just a ludicrous kind of. Uh, almost almost the 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 um just the wish of it powering the rumor really that that people would like this to happen so much that they almost treat it like it's fact when they when uh, and they retweet it and and all that sort of thing it's amazing how fast um to use a trumpism fake news can travel around the internet especially when it's something people actually want to see happen so i wouldn't be shocked if this was total and utter garbage pete but Let's just give it a tiny modicum of respect as a rumour at this moment in time. If there was anything in it, I'm, uh, I, th- I think uh, we, we spoke about it off air. I think the, 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 the very, very simple conclusion we came to is, does Matthias Pereira perfectly fit into Carlos Corbran's style of play? No. Do we care? No. <laughs> if If he's available and he's affordable and you can get him on loan... You take him and you make it work, don't you? Yeah, um, I don't think you can say too much more than that. Is that if he's if he's available um, and he wants to come and we can afford him, then you bring him in and yeah, you you just make it work. You adapt how you want to play um, to to have a player of such quality. Um, everyone saw how good he was at first in the Championship and the Premier League. Um, and yeah, if you've got the the opportunity to bring in a player like that, then. Well, you do it and, and you make it work afterwards, um, in my opinion. Obviously, nobody's... I don't he, think he'd, could... he'd be the best player in the division, wouldn't he? It, I mean, as, assume, player, assuming yeah. James Madison leaves leaves Leicester, because uh, I, I think he's probably... He's probably the, maybe maybe James Madison, James Ward Prowse. If they were to stay at their respective clubs, Harvey Barnes might be able to challenge him for that title. But assuming those three players depart their respective clubs, which I think we'd have to say there's a very, very high possibility of... He'd be the best player in the league. Yeah, bar a couple of the Leicester boys, he's he's definitely going to be up there as the best player in the league. Um, and yeah, I, I really don't know what else to say. If he's available, then you get him and you and you you bring him in and and you make it work because he's just that good a footballer that he can yeah he can win you games himself by creating chances by scoring goals himself. He scored from free kicks outside the box in the box. It's just yeah, he's such a he's a brilliant player. 
Well, we shall leave it there for today because unfortunately, Matthi- um, a slightly spurious Matthias Pereira rumour aside, that is literally the extent of the players Albion are being linked with, which probably is fairly reflective of our financial state. There's a lot to talk about with prospective outgoings. There's not a lot to talk about with prospective incomings. But let's hope that Corbran can start getting some of the players that he wants in. Nobody obviously wants to see um, any overspending because that would be ludicrous. But um, we, there is no doubt that, especially if there are a couple more outgoings, and I think I'd be stunned if there weren't, that we do need to strengthen the squad in certain areas if we are going to be let's just call it competitive next season and whatever whatever that ends up looking like. Um, but we certainly don't want to go into next season so threadbare that that, that we have a relegation battle. And let's, let's be honest, you know, uh, that might sound ridiculous, but we were in a relegation battle, and, uh, you know, up until November last, uh, last season. So you, it goes to show how anybody can be sucked into the championship relegation mire if you get things a bit wrong and to be honest, all we really had got wrong was the manager at that point. And that's all it took to pull us into that area. So let's, let's hope that we can get a competitive squad that Corbran can have competing at the right end of the table, but a squad that we can to some degree afford. I mean, we don't think we can afford much at the, at the moment, but at least afford in a relative sense of the word. If there are more outgoings, if there are more incomings, Pete and I will be back to discuss them. And we might even be able to bring you a another special guest as well at some time over the summer who we can who we can chat to about all things Albion. But until then, thanks for listening and up the baggies. Albion have certainly been sharing the goals around this season. They're well into double figures now for different championship goal scorers. So why not take a leaf out of their book and do some sharing of your own with a McNugget share box? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.